Welcome to the School of Wellbeing podcast. I am your host, Meg Durham, wellbeing speaker, educator, and coach. I have taught and worked in schools across metropolitan and regional Australia, and I am dedicated to supporting big-hearted educators to prioritise their wellbeing and take courageous action despite the everyday pressures of school life. Because I want educators to know, you don't have to sacrifice your health, relationships, and happiness to be a great teacher. Together, we are going to learn the lessons to help us teach well and be well. Let the learning begin. Hello and welcome to episode 71 of the School of Wellbeing podcast. Here we are at the start of another school year. How are you feeling about the year ahead? Nervous, excited, tired, energized, hopeful, or maybe a little bit of everything? For some of us, school holidays are bliss and an opportunity to really unwind and recharge our batteries. And for others, bliss comes in small pockets as we juggle our way through the extended time at home with children. However you are starting the year, welcome. I am so glad we found each other. Think of me as your very own wellbeing coach. I am here to remind you that you are a human being with human needs and not a machine. I am here to expand your thinking and inspire you to take deliberate action in your life so you can feel, function and relate better. There is something very special about working in schools at this time of year. Nothing beats a buzz of energy, excitement and anticipation that comes with a new school year. And this is a time to get clear on how you plan to take care of your well-being this term. What changes are you going to make? At this time of year, we can convince ourselves that this term will be different. This is a term I'm going to take care of myself. So we start the term fueled with hope, equipped with willpower and motivation, only to find ourselves limping across the line at the end of term. As the old saying goes, insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. This is why I created my signature wellbeing program for educators, Energy by Design to support big-hearted and busy humans like you to create lasting change. Energy by Design is a program for educators that are ready to reclaim their spark and experience more energy. Over four weeks, you will have the opportunity to connect, share, laugh and learn with others that understand the demands of school life and are ready to reclaim their spark. Working in schools, energy is the ultimate currency. When you have energy, you make better choices. And when you are making better choices, you feel more confident to express your ideas and concerns. What would your life be like if you had more energy? What impact could you have on others if you had more energy? If you have been flirting with the idea of prioritizing your well-being this term, join me for a free energy masterclass Thursday the 16th of February where I'll be sharing four practical strategies that have helped me stay afloat during some of the most exhausting and overwhelming times of my life. To learn more, see the show notes for details. Now on with today's show. I'm curious to know, what does leadership mean to you? How do you lead yourself and others each day? Traditionally, we've had a narrow definition of leadership and believed that it was for the select few that had an impressive title or badge. Now we have a much wider perspective of leadership and Brene Brown's definition sums it up beautifully. 
I define a leader as anybody who takes responsibility for finding the potential in people and processes and who has the courage to develop that potential. So as you listen to today's conversation with leadership coach Katrina Burke, I invite you to think about the ways you lead yourself and others each day. It could be at home, at work, or in the wider community. After more than 20 years in education as a teacher and school leader, Katrina realised she was not at all the human or the leader she wanted to be. And this propelled her on a journey of discovery to find out what she did want. Katrina is passionate about empowering leaders to show up as the very best versions on themselves. She believes that we all have the capacity to thrive, but all too often we are held back by the unhelpful stories we tell ourselves. Katrina works especially with women in school leadership to help them lead from a place of grounded confidence. She is an experienced coach, teacher, school leader and a proudly imperfect human. In this episode, we discuss how leadership is evolving in schools, why finding your sacred ground matters, the importance of taking time for reflection and so much more. I hope you enjoy my conversation with Katrina Burke. Katrina, welcome to the School of Wellbeing podcast. Hi, Meg. Thank you so much for having me here. Today, we're going to be talking about the evolution of leadership and how we can find our sacred ground. Why do you think this is such an important topic to talk about? Well, I think that focusing on our leaders is really making a difference and an impact to everyone. I think if we can have terrifically self-aware, emotionally intelligent leaders, then we do a service to all of the people they work with and the organisations that they work in. So it really is an important topic to focus on and talk about. And so over your experience, how have you seen leadership change in schools? Yeah, I think there are a couple of ways of looking at this. I think there's that kind of macro level about how leadership has evolved over the years and, you know, that idea of going from the hero leader, the one who did it all and set the pace and was in charge of the people. I think we could look at it from that level and into what people want from their leaders today. Also, I think the piece that I'm really interested in is that evolution of the individual, their evolution into the leader that they aspire to be that can have the most impact on the organisation they're working in. It's so interesting to think about as individuals, who do we aspire to be? What kind of leader do we want to become? Because we can often go in with these preconceived ideas of what a leader is and to spend that time thinking about what kind of leader I want to become, that seems quite powerful. I think you're right, Meg. I think, you know, when I think about the leaders who I have conversations with, they know in their heart that it's about stopping, reflecting, getting clear on their message and on themselves. They know that, that that's, I guess, the most powerful place to start. But the reality is in schools, we are so busy. The pace is fast that even though we want to do that reflecting, that preparation, often that gets left off because we're so busy racing through the to-do list. So this piece around really thinking about who is the leader I want to be, maybe it's at the beginning of your leadership journey, maybe it's at the beginning of the year, 
but even better if it's it's each day or even sometimes in the moment, who's the leader I want to be in this moment? And that's where that sacred ground piece, which I'm sure we'll get to, comes in because that is all of the foundation work that we do to know who is the leader that I want to be so that we can draw on it in those fast-paced, maybe even challenging moments. It's no good trying to work it out then. We want to have done some of that foundation work beforehand. Yes, to do that foundation work beforehand so we have a clear vision of the leader we want to be. And so we've almost had some practice in how do I want to show up in difficult moments? And so bridging that gap between the leader I hope I could be with the leader I am in the moment. And that does take skill and practice. And as you say, schools are so busy. It can be so seductive to just keep working harder and harder and doing more and more compared to stepping back and taking that time to reflect and to think about what is our sacred ground. So can you help us understand what is sacred ground? Mm. Well, first thing to say is that for each person, it's different. However, the analogy that I like to use, Meg, is that idea of those life buoys. I don't know if you've seen those life buoys out in the ocean. They're kind of towers and they get smashed around by the waves at times. Seals jump on them and sleep on them. Seagulls fly over and poop on them. But every time these towers, these life buoys, they come back up to centre. They have an anchor and they have ballast that keeps bringing them back to centre. And that's kind of how I think about sacred ground. It's our anchor or our ballast that keeps bringing us back to centre. So it's not an end point. It's not a place of perfection. I don't believe in that, but it's a place of centering and grounding. Essentially, in its simplest form, it's about knowing our true selves and being true to ourselves. That's what makes up our sacred ground. You're reminding me of my Saturday morning swims when I go down to the beach into the ocean and we swim out to the buoy and every Saturday it's different. There are some mornings where the waves are so wild that we can't quite see it but we trust and we know that it's there and there are some days where it is so calm, the water is crystal clear and you can see it perfectly and that really makes sense as far as our school systems There are some times when it is so busy and it is so chaotic that we have to just trust that we know the path, that we have that buoyancy. And there are other days where it is quite easy to move towards that direction. So how do we find out what it is for us? So for people listening, how can we define what kind of leader that we aspire to be? Well, I think you're right. I think this is how we build our sacred ground. I like to think of it that there are four pieces to this. I don't think that they're steps because I think becoming the leader we aspire to be, I believe that it's always a work in process, but we have to start somewhere. So yes, defining who is the leader I want to be. I often talk about how do I want to show up? And what's occurring to me in this moment is it's really important to remember that this is not just about who I am as the leader in my workplace. I don't think that we can separate it. I think this is about who is the human that I want to be because trying to juggle two different personalities, we don't have the energy or the time for that. So we're talking leadership today, but I do think it's really important to say this is about being not just the best 
leader I can be, but the best human I can be. That is so powerful. And to remember that we lead in so many areas of our life, if it's our family, if it's the community, in the classroom as teachers, leadership comes in all shapes and forms. And as you say, we're human doing this role. So as we're better humans, we can naturally lead better. Back to your question about, well, how do we define that? Well, I guess in a way that that comes down to personal preference, but it's about the questions you might ask yourself. How you come to answering those might be as, you know, in practical terms, you might mind map it. You might, whatever your strength is, maybe you're into drawing, maybe it's a vision board, maybe you write it down. That part I don't think matters so much. It's about the questions that we ask ourselves. So as simple as, well, who is the leader I want to be? And what does that look like? And what would I sound like if I was that leader? Thinking about it from your own perspective, but also thinking about it from others, because of course, leadership is about bringing out the best in others as well. So, you know, how do I want to be for other people? How do I want to lead them and bring out the best in them? What do I want for relationships with others? These kind of questions Delving into those is how I think you define and continue to define the leader that you want to be. They're such powerful questions. When you stop to think about it, how do I want to show up? And potentially, how am I showing up? And where is the gap? And what work do I need to do? Right, Meg. So I have a model called the Authentic Leaders Model. This is kind of how I organize all of this thinking in my own brain. When I think about being an authentic leader, it's what we're talking about. How do I know my true self? And then how do I courageously show up as my true self? And so the first part is about defining that. And then the second part is about discovering. So I've got to do the work to discover, well, what have I already got in place here? What are my strengths? And also what are my shadows and my biases? Kind of uncovering the whole package of of what makes me me. And that's where the gaps emerge, I think, or become clear. So I have these strengths. Am I playing to them? I have these unhelpful habits. Am I aware of them? And am I able to see how they can impact and become an obstacle? So having that, it's that emotional intelligence, that emotional self-awareness of the person I am. And that's why it would be so important to work with someone like you that is an expert in the space of supporting leaders to do this work, because that would be quite challenging, that discovery piece by ourselves. Right, because we only know what we know, don't we? We need, I think we need someone. I, I, you know, I genuinely believe this about uh, coaching. I believe that leaders should have a coach. It's one of my only shoulds. I really believe that. And this is not a plug for me. It could be any quality coach, but I think that we need someone to help us on this journey. Firstly, because of the practicality of it that we talked about earlier, that, you know, so often we have great intentions, but we fall to the bottom of our own to-do list. So we don't put the time or energy commitment into this work. And also at time, you know, it takes real courage. You know, I know that you and I both really love the work of Brene Brown and she talks about that idea of, you know, courage and vulnerability go hand in hand and to kind of expose yourself to look at what are my unhelpful habits? What are the things that get in the way of me being the best human and leader I can be? That's vulnerability. And so to have someone who can kind of support you to do that and encourage you to keep doing it 
and also to temper it because I think we tend to be particularly harsh on ourselves and it's not always as bad as how we make it out. So yeah, I do really believe in the value of doing this with an expert other. And it provides you with the safe space to look at it, to think about it, and then also notice how we can stop ourselves from stepping into this authentic leader, how we can put the handbrake on our own growth. Yes, that's right, because we tend to get in our own way, don't we? And these can be habits that we've had for decades, maybe, and we can fall into the thinking trap that, well, that's just who I am. That's just the kind of person I am. But working and talking with someone to help you challenge some of those assumptions, it opens up a whole new range of possibilities. And this is why this work is not lockstep, because as we open up new possibilities, new perspectives, deeper understanding about ourselves, then our capacity enlarges. And so that original vision we had about the leader I want to be, we can add depth to that and we can expand that definition. So I think, you know, I don't think that this requires someone to hold your hand the whole way, but certainly, you know, check-ins along the way or feedback along the way to help you keep looking into those shadows and those blind spots. And on the at the other end of the spectrum to really encourage you to value and acknowledge what you're already achieving. And that's what I found over the years working with my coach or my psychologist is that it's such a space to be aware of what's pulling me back, but also of my strengths that can pull me forward. And just to have that person that can listen, it's absolutely priceless because I often will come into a session saying, oh, my mind's just busy, it's a bit of a fog. But then once I've had the time to sit and think about it, The fog moves on and then there's clarity. So coming back to that analogy of the boy, having this space to really discover the human I am with my strengths, weaknesses, all of it, the waves settle and then we can see our path again and then we can move towards practices that keep us buoyant, that remind us of our strength and remind us of where we're going. So what practices can really help leaders to continue to show up because it is hard work. You're right. So this, again, this idea of honouring the practices, this is the next part for me in that authentic leader model. And again, it's going to be personalised depending on what are your particular strengths, what are their particular challenges and shadows. So when we're talking about practices that help us to become that leader and to address and strengthen those things that we discover about ourselves. One of the things that come to mind for me is this idea of grit and grace. And I think whilst the practices might be personal to each individual leader, depending on, you know, their particular strengths and challenges, what practices they honour will be different. But this idea of grit and grace, I think, is applicable to everyone. So what I mean by that is the idea of grit, of sticking to it, of working hard at it, at the practices, at making time for it. But I think grace is particularly important to leaders, especially leaders who are the get things done kind of leader, the keep going, push harder, do your, you know, high expectations, these kind of leaders. We also need to remember to have grace. This is about, for me, about compassion and self-compassion. 
not being so hard on ourselves and making time to look not just at what we're not achieving, but at what we already have in place, at what we're great at. Because if we get stuck, I mean, we know this as teachers, don't we? If we focus with a student all the time, if we talk to them about you're not good at this and you're still not getting that, I mean, that's just not what we would do as teachers. We know the best way to get the best out of people is to focus on what's strong rather than what's wrong. And yet we don't apply it to ourselves. And so this idea of grace, of being compassionate towards ourselves, I think this is crucial in our journey to being the best leader that we can be. And that rings true to me at a personal level, because one of my greatest strengths is I will make it work. I'll make it work. Whatever's happening, I will make it work. Working hard for me is easy. Working hard's not a problem. But what's challenging is to step back, is to know when I can't make it work or to notice when what is the cost of trying to make something work that's not workable. And so leaning into that grace is really a practice that can be deeply uncomfortable for us when we're so used to working hard and doing more. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's exactly right because something I commonly hear people say when we talk about this is, well, I can't lower my standards or oh, that's a slippery slope to me just letting everything slide. And so it really is uncomfortable and it really is about understanding that it's not black and white. It's not if I abandon something or pull back on something, this is not me giving up on everything. It's me making a strategic decision here. I mentioned that word grit. Grit's about sticking at it and grace is it's time to stop, reevaluate, and look at how to reset this situation. So thinking about grit and grace, do you think an important part of being an authentic leader is being able to know when to lean in to both? Yes, definitely. I think that's a lovely way of saying it. So we can learn when we need to work harder, but also when we need to step back and potentially allow others to step up. Yes. And and what comes to mind, Meg, is that idea of a leader is showing the way to others. And when we push through against all odds to absolute exhaustion, which, you know, so many of us have have done or or at times still do that, that is what we are modelling to others, that this is the way to do it. This is the way we do things around here. We grind ourselves to the bone. And so, to be the leader who takes that time to think about who's the leader I want to be, what are the practices that will allow me to do that, and then to have the courage to live that way and to show up that way, that then allows those around me, it gives them permission to not grind themselves. And suddenly we're lifting a whole team or a whole organisation into being the best they can be in a very realistic human way. And that is where the magic is. As we can step into our own authenticity, we're giving permission for other people to do the same. We're changing the blueprint of what it is to be a leader in a school system. We're inviting in that compassion, that connection, that realistic expectation that we can't be everything to everyone in every moment and that as we deal with this humanness, 
with our ebbs and flows, our good days and bad days, everybody gets that same permission and we actually get further quicker. Yes, because, you know, at a very simplistic level, we're managing our energy, aren't we? We're not grinding ourselves into exhaustion and then needing a long recovery time and then peaking again. We're not on those big highs and lows. We are, I guess, using our strengths intelligently. Yes, intelligent leadership in the sense of what am I capable of? We all can work hard. That's a given. That's a fact. But at what cost? What is it going to cost me as an individual? But also, what is it going to cost the culture if I continue to work this way and they continue to look to me and think, well, this is how we have to work in this culture? What's going to be the long-term effects of that if we don't make change? That's right. And, and that's our role, isn't it, as leader? It's bringing out the best in others and creating a really thriving organisation. and. Here we are back at, it begins with the leader, knowing the sort of leader and human they want to be, and then having the courage to show up that way in order to give others the permission and the courage to show up as their best selves. And then suddenly you've got this whole team of people who are all showing up as their best selves and the outcomes, the benefits of that are, I think, extraordinary. And I know that you've been doing some incredible work in school systems. Can you share some observations that you've witnessed over your journey when school leaders and leadership teams go on this journey to become authentic leaders? Yeah, (laughs) the thing that comes to mind at first is a, a particular school that I've been working with and I've worked with their, let's call them middle leaders. So they're kind of emerging leaders. And we began our work together with that authentic leader model, talking about beginning that work of defining who's the leader I want to be and spending time on the discovery about who am who I am, am I now as a human? And I remember, the, firstly, the leader in this school is a courageous leader because he was willing to dedicate time to this each term for these emerging leaders to come together. And he attended with them. So it became a real learning together. And I remember those, some of those leaders kind of going, well, is this what we do? Are we able to sit here and talk about ourselves and have time to inquire and explore into ourselves? Where's the practical stuff? You know, how do we take this back to the classroom? And so it just showed me what a shift in approach this was, that it wasn't about walking away with a practical outcome necessarily that you could go and apply in your classroom, but about knowing that it's actually essential to you being a quality leader to taking the time and doing the work that is required to get you there. And so over time, did they become more comfortable with having these conversations and maybe increase their depth? Yes, definitely. Being able to come to a conversation and what I love about this is not, not only being able to perhaps reflect on something that had happened in their leadership, reflect on a situation and look at that in a compassionate way, but also discover what particular things got in the way maybe. How might they do it differently next time? So that was one level of it. But the next level, which I think is really where the magic happens, if you like, is then being able to apply that awareness and that intelligence to, well, what might have been going on in the other person's head? 
what might have been some of the stories they were telling themselves, you know, what might have been some of the obstacles or shadows that were showing up for them. And there is empathy and compassion. So it's that piece about knowing and understanding myself allows me to know and understand others. And so these two go hand in hand. And often we think that, you know, to to focus on myself is selfish or self-indulgent or, you know, narcissistic. But if we can reframe that to knowing and understanding myself allows me to know and understand and to lead others better, then it is actually part of my work as a leader to increase my emotional intelligence, my depth of self-awareness so that I have agency over how I show up but also so that I can enter into conversations and interactions with others in a human, compassionate way. And it almost sounds like what you're talking about is as we understand ourselves more as a whole person, we can be in more authentic connection and relationship with others because we're not so in our own head and our own story. We can be much more present with who they are. And I often think about that saying when we were younger, We would often have that treat people the way that you would like to be treated. And I think that's a pretty good start. But I think the best leaders that I've worked with treat people the way that they would like to be treated. Yes, I agree with that. And in order to do that, then I have to know, don't I? I have to be aware of myself as a human. I have to have framed myself as a human working here alongside a whole lot of other humans. We each come along with particular skills and talents and we each come along with things that are not so helpful or not so desirable. That's part of being a human and working together in this way. Because this is so powerful. If we can get to know ourselves, we can then get to know others. And as we get to know others, we can then support each other. So we can look out for each other and think, oh, they're having a rough day. I'm going to step in instead of looking at someone thinking they're having a rough day and thinking, well, I'm having a rougher day, so I'm busier and more important. You can actually put all of that down and be present within your system and really respond and become quite an adaptive system together, working as a whole to support each other. And there's not so much of the individual part because we're looking after each other. We're really coming together, if that makes any sense at all. It does make sense. It it actually, it makes me think about the idea of self-care, you know, something that we talk a lot about in the well-being space. And I know that when I talk with educators about this, this idea of topping up your own tank, some of the pushback that I get is about, well, I feel guilty taking time for myself when there's so much to do or I haven't, I've already not given enough to my family and here I am taking time for myself, this idea of guilt. And I like to use that metaphor of the tank and let's imagine we each have a full tank and as we go about our day, being patient, teaching, putting energy into different things, our tank naturally depletes, totally normal. But if we are not finding little ways to top up that tank, throughout the day, then what happens is the tank gets down to the dregs, the bits at the bottom. And if you've seen the bottom of a water tank when it's right down low, it's not a nice place to be. It's murky and it's mucky. And how that shows up for us as humans with an empty tank where we're in the dregs 
is resentment. We start to see the world or our workplace in resentful ways. So someone will ask us to do something and the story in our head is, yeah, sure, I'll cop another yard duty, but what about so-and-so? They never do anything. Or when are you going to notice the effort I've put in? We get resentful. And I think this comes back to what you were saying about, you know, when we're able to show up with each other as humans, when we're able to accept our own mistakes, forgive those and forgive those of others, then we don't get to that resentful part. So actually what I think I'm getting to here is showing up as humans, being compassionate, having grace. These are little tank fillers. These keep our tanks from getting down to the dregs. And traditionally, our model of leadership has been fill the tank, drain the tank, go again. Fill the tank, drain the tank, go again. And moving towards this evolution of managing our tank, managing our energy so we can be more intelligent with our choices. Yes, I love that, Meg. Thank you. That's a beautiful summary. And it's a reminder to me of where this idea of authentic leadership first came from. I deliberately chose that word authentic after listening to some work by Dr. Herminia Ibarra. She's at, I think, the University of London. She's a leadership, you know, teacher and thinker. And she wrote that authenticity is not a characteristic, it's an evolution. And I just love that because I think that sums up exactly what we're talking about today. This is the evolution towards becoming an authentic leader and it continues to evolve. It might start out a little bit, you know, who am I as the leader? And then if we imagine it kind of expanding as it spirals upwards, so this is who I am, what about others? How might I apply that knowledge to others? And it continues to evolve all the way along. There is so much permission giving in that Katrina around that we don't have to be who we've always been. We don't have to show up in ways that we've always shown up, that life changes. Our demands outside of school change things at times and being able to be flexible with that, being able to navigate that and give ourselves that deep, permission of I can change, I can evolve, things that used to work for me don't work for me anymore and that's okay. Yeah, that's exactly right. It's like maybe levelling up. I mean, I'm not a big computer gamer. or that's, See, that's showing my age. I don't think you even call it computer gaming. You just call it gaming. It's what the cool kids say. <laughs> I'm not a big gamer. But back in my day, you know, when you leveled up, you got new tools, didn't you? And you got new, if it was, say, a quest kind of game, I always loved those. Each time you leveled up, you got some new tools and some new knowledge and some new powers. And that's our leadership evolution or our human evolution, isn't it? We keep leveling up if we're doing the work, if we're staying aware and we get new knowledge a new perspective and maybe some new tools. And part of that then allows us to go, huh, okay, well, now that I know better, I'll do better. Or now that I know different, maybe I'll do different. Ah, that is so good. I love that saying, new level, new devil. It never ends. And if we want to (laughs) continue, it just never ends. It absolutely never ends. And when I think about the most powerful leaders in my life, they're on that journey. They love the learning. They love the growth. 
they'll circle back to me and say, Meg, I used to think this. I don't think that anymore. I've got a new way. Let's talk about it. And that is so amazing to think about this evolution of leadership that's taking place, not just in our school systems, but in the wider community. And when I work with young people and do prefect training, I am absolutely blown away with their wisdom and insight. And I have this sense that they're not going to work in ways that our generation did. Yes, so I completely agree with you. And thank goodness, right? We, thank goodness we need that. We need some new challenge and some new ways. Look at our health and well-being just in education at the moment. Look at the teacher attrition rate. The way we've got it is not working. So let's get some new perspectives. Let's push this evolution along. And we need courageous leaders who are going to help us to do that and give us permission to do that. Because if what we're striving for is perfection, then we're on the grind, aren't we? But if what we're, if we're bringing grace and saying, let's see how we can together be the best we can be, that's a whole different playground to be in. Katrina, to wrap up this incredible conversation, I'd love to invite you to finish four sentences. Are you up for that? Woohoo, okay. I am inspired by? Nature. When life feels hard? Oh, <laughs> I try and be graceful with myself. An underrated skill is? Oh, I'm stumped on that one, Meg. Okay, I'm going to go with the one that just popped up, emotional intelligence. And I'm looking forward to? sunshine, summer. It's been a long winter. (laughs) Katrina, thank you for the work that you are doing in schools to build authentic leaders. It is going to have ripple effects for years to come. And thank you for being a guest on the School of Wellbeing podcast. I love your work and I've loved this conversation. Thank you so much for inviting me, Meg. And I really hope you're right. I hope we continue that evolution in schools. this conversation has opened your mind and empowered you to take deliberate action in your life so you can feel, function and relate better. To learn more about today's incredible guest and the wonderful work they are doing in the world, see the show notes for all the ways that you can connect. If you're ready to reclaim your spark and join me for this round of Energy by Design, my game-changing wellbeing program for educators, see the show notes for more details. If you loved this show, please share it with anyone you think would benefit from listening. Or reach out to me on Instagram or LinkedIn and let me know what resonated most with you. To learn more about the ways that I can help you and your school community thrive, visit my website, openmindeducation.com. There you can book me to speak at your next event, learn more about my game-changing wellbeing programs or download my free five-step energy guide. You can find all the links in today's episode at openmindeducation.com forward slash podcast. Thank you for listening to this episode of the School of Wellbeing and I look forward to sharing more heartfelt conversations with you next week.